We are going to have good energy this afternoon with our next presenter. Her name is Nancy Ryans. She's from Boulder, Colorado. And two and a half years ago, she had her near-death experience. As a result of coming out of that near-death experience, she experienced some negative after effects. And as time wore on, she discovered that the information given to her during her near-death experience would help her overcome some of these negative after effects. And that's what we're going to learn about today in her presentation, Awakening to Life. Would you please welcome Nancy Ryans. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I want to start off by giving you a little bit of an introduction to me, because I think some of you don't really know who I am. I'm, I'm one of the newbies on the block. I'm the new kid on the block. So I'll start off with a little, a little introduction about me. I'll give you a small, short introduction into my NDE. And then we'll go into kind of the meat of what I wanted to talk about today, which is something that um, Scott mentioned. What not a lot of us actually want to talk about it too often is maybe some of the negative effects of, uh, after effects of having an NDE and how we might be able to come through them, or at least how I came through mine. So I, about two and a half years ago, I was an atheist. I was an agnostic. I didn't believe in any of this stuff. I thought you all were crazy for coming to these types of conventions, and I would have called myself crazy for thinking that I would ever come to an Ions convention. I was raised Catholic, but during my teenage years, I turned away from that uh, for a lot of different reasons. And as I went into my university years, I studied the sciences. I studied uh, geology and archaeology, which are both very physical sciences. So I, I realized for myself that if I couldn't see it, if I couldn't measure it, and if I couldn't knock on it, it didn't really exist. And so for me, God didn't exist. All of this spiritual stuff didn't exist because I couldn't take out my tape measure and measure it. So for most of my adult life, you know, for probably 25 or 30 years, I was going back and forth between atheist and agnostic. And uh, scientists through all that, I was a science and, uh, science and technical writer through all that. I really wanted to believe in something, but I just never have had that evidence for it. So about two and a half years ago, and this, if you count back, this would be January. And in Colorado, Januarys tend to be fairly nice. It was a 60-degree day, um, and I went out for a bike ride, as I would normally do on a 60-degree day. And as I was riding my bike around town in the bike lane, uh, I got hit by a texting driver. She was really intent on getting her little text message out and didn't see me. She was coming into a roundabout and didn't even slow down and just barreled in over the top of me. I tried everything that I could to avoid that crash, and I, and I couldn't. Um, my first NDE happened during that crash. I noticed, I, I have full memory of every millisecond of that crash, and it, I try not to relive it if I can because it's pretty horrendous. But the one thing that I do remember and I do like to talk about is partway through that crash, I noticed that my consciousness separated from my body. So I had this amazing, I call it my higher self or my soul, took off from my body and witnessed the whole accident happen from out in front. And, 
But the interesting thing is that I was still conscious in my body, in my human body, underneath the car as I was being dragged along. I was actually dragged for quite a while. So I had a lot of time to contemplate being in two places at once. And I didn't really quite understand at the time. I thought, wow, that's really weird. And I have no idea what that's all about. So I was so intent on surviving that accident, I just put that whole experience aside until later. When I realized that that higher self that was out in front of the accident, watching everything, was very calm and very centered. And she said, I remember her saying to me, me saying this to myself, everything is just as it should be. It is sad, but everything will be okay in the end. And I remember the me that was underneath the truck being dragged under this vehicle was saying, hell no, it's not okay. I'm hurting down here. <laughs> this is scary stuff. But eventually those, that, those two parts of my consciousness came back together when the vehicle stopped. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I had a ton of injuries to my spine. Uh, I don't even know that, that the doctors could count the number of broken bones. Uh, most of them were in my neck and my lower back. I had uh, my L1 vertebrae was completely shattered. Um, I had five vertebrae in my neck that were broken in many places. I had five ribs that were broken. My collarbone was broken. My sternum was cracked. My pelvis was cracked. But amazingly enough, I didn't suffer any other internal injuries to my organs. Uh, I did have a concussion as well, as you might imagine. I did have my helmet on. So for all those bike riders out there, please wear your helmet. My second N NDE, and this is the one that, that I talk about most in my book and in my talks, happened about two days later during surgery to repair my spine. And I needed this surgery in order to be able to walk again. As you can see, it was quite successful. Um, if I hadn't had it, there was a possibility of being paralyzed. So I, I went into surgery a little bit apprehensive, and the, the anesthesiologist gave me the injection, and off I went. And it turns out that, I, uh, that my heart rate and my pulse and everything stopped on the operating table. So I had some kind of a reaction to the anesthesia. My breathing stopped, my blood pressure went to zero, my heart stopped. Uh, I found this out later from my, from my doctors. They didn't fess up at the time. Um, but during, as, as soon as I was given that injection though, I was, you know, I was expecting to go off to that gray place of nothingness that we all go to seemingly when we have surgery. It's, it's usually kind of blah, and then you wake up in the, in the recovery room and everything's fine. Except I woke up in this beautiful mountain meadow surrounded by mountains all around and these beautiful clouds in the sky and a warm, kind of silvery warm light all around me. But what struck me absolutely, it actually fell to my knees, was the amount of peace and love that I felt. And I can tell you that when I was there, my first thought was, how come I'm here? I don't believe in you. I don't believe that this could be for me because I'm an atheist. And the answer I got back was, you're my child, welcome home.
And so I was welcomed home. And I realized right then that everything that I had believed as an adult was wrong. I had spent so many years denying all of this, you know, all of the spiritual stuff. And the reality was I was completely turned upside down by this whole experience. The fact that, that I, call, I call this presence the divine presence could accept me back in without hesitation with such love and compassion was astounding to me. Um, and, and I spent several moments there alone until finally a female entity came up and she was to be my guide through the rest of my journey. And, and I thought I was going to be prepared to completely die. I, I, at that point, I thought, all right, I'm in heaven. I'm dead. Okay, this is cool. I'm going to go on and be with my family. And that wasn't, it turned out, wasn't going to be the case. But this woman came up and embraced me with this amazing, amazing energy embrace of pure love. And she welcomed me home. And I had the impression that I knew her from a long time ago. And it was so moving that I just, I think I probably spent the first 10, 20 minutes with her crying and sobbing, and I couldn't believe that I was here. I thought, you know, as a Catholic girl, I'd end up in hell for being an atheist. And here I was in this beautiful, loving, peace-filled place. So she took me on a, a grand tour that lasted for what I think was months. It felt like months when I was there. There really isn't any time in that spiritual realm, as I'm sure you all know. Um, if I were to put it into human terms, I would say it was three or four months for me. I had this huge tour. It was like, for me, I guess I needed more help than most of y'all needed, if you were an NDEer. Um, I needed... I needed the college-level course on not only coming into spirit, but also returning to my life on Earth. So she took me around, and in each location, she taught me different things. So at one point, she brought me to a pond, which is where I had most of my life review. Um, she brought me up into a brook and a meadow and beautiful mountains, and it was incredible. But the, the, for me, the main purpose was, and she told me this, is I want you to understand how to bring all this back to your life on earth. Because the point of all this was for me to bring heaven into my own life and into the lives of the people around me and into anybody else that wanted to listen. And I said, hell no, I'm not going back. <laughs> But it turned out that that was the case. I was going to come back. I had made an agreement to come back long before I was born. But the purpose of her teaching was for me. It was to teach me how to be not only a good person, but how to make my life really what I wanted it to be. And, and again, she said, and you might want to share this with others who want to listen to you. So I had a little bit of a breakdown. I threw a temper tantrum when she was going to send me back. I w I'm not proud of this. I was in her face, screaming and yelling, no, I'm not going back. No, I'm not going back. And I think I was doing this with her standing right in front of me. And now I feel a little bit you know, sheepish about yelling at this being. But I was adamant that I was not going back. And she said, Unfortunately, you do have to go back, but before you go, I'm going to heal you. 
And so she laid her hands on different parts of my spirit body. And I didn't really feel anything except her touch. But later, during my recovery, I had no pain in those areas. I had no pain in my collarbone. And I'm told that those hurt a lot when they get broken. <laughs> but I never had any pain. I never had any pain in my rib cage either. And I had five broken ribs that never hurt. Um, I never had any pain in my pelvic. I had a crack up here in my pelvis. I never had any pain there. Um, I, I had some pain in my back and my neck as a result of the surgery, but it wasn't that bad. So she healed me before she sent me back. And I woke up in the, in the recovery room screaming. I was crying and screaming, and I wanted this woman back, and the doctor had no idea what was happening. So I dealt with this for quite a while on my own. I mean, I talked to the chaplain a few days after my, my surgery, and I told my two sisters here in the front. But I didn't really tell a lot of people what happened because I really, I had no clue what just happened. I, I, don't, I don't believe in any of this stuff. So I had no clue what just happened to me. The, luckily, the chaplain said, it was real. I see this all the time. Believe that it was real. You started to die on the road when you were hit by the car and you died on the operating table, and you went to heaven. That was, that was her word for it. And I st that's when I started to realize, oh my God, what, this is really real. All this stuff is real, and I've been denying it my whole life. So within that first week, though, I started to see some of the positive after effects that we all talk about. I was in this blissed out state. Everything was great. I loved everybody. I loved all the nurses that came in. I mean, I loved the housekeeping staff. I loved all the doctors. It was awesome. I was blissed out for probably three months, four months even, just living in this amazing state of bliss. I had deep gratitude for every moment, as you could imagine. Um, I felt so great. I would lay in, in the hospital bed for hours after, they, after my sisters would leave, and I would just be grateful for being here, and I could just feel divine love all through the hospital. I just laid there and bathed in it. And then later reality struck, but let's not talk about that quite yet. So a lot of us, when we come back, we do have positive after effects, and it's awesome. For me, I had a lot of creativity. I'm, I, was, I was a bit of an artist before I had my NDE, and afterward, my creativity went through the roof. And a lot of people report this. You know, well, they'll start playing a musical instrument, or they'll notice that their musical abilities it get enhanced. Uh, maybe they'll take up painting or sculpting or something. Well, a lot of us will notice that our creativity increases. For me, and for some of us, there's even a different way of thinking. Our, our, our whole thought process changed, and that may not be a bad thing. For me, it was not a bad thing. Uh, a lot of us, as you know, report few fears, or especially the fear of death goes away. I have no, absolutely zero fear of death anymore, and I was terrified to die as an atheist. I was absolutely terrified by the whole prospect of death. Um, and, and a lot of us come out of it, I mean, that's why I come to these Ions conventions. Everybody's happy and loving and joyful and peaceful. 
So we come out of it with these beautiful after effects. And some of us even have things like we sense that oneness all around us all the time. We want to be of service. You know, some of us have these wonderful psychic or psi after effects. Uh, I know people that have become vegan after their NDE or vegetarian. So it's, it's awesome. But then nobody told me how bad it could get. And I had no, no, at that point, three months after my NDE, I was starting to feel the negative after effects. And, and I didn't have anybody to go, excuse me, I'm gonna back up a little bit. I didn't have anybody to go to for those. Um, one of the things that, that was awesome for me, though, was this miraculous or quick healing. I know Anita Morjani talks about it. I didn't have a miraculous healing, but I did have a very quick healing. I think as a result of having had that spiritual healing from my guide. So this is me in the hospital the day that I was allowed to walk after my surgery. And I was pretty busted up. As you can see, I've got a, a full body brace on and a neck cast and you know my arms in a sling and I've got a walker. And five weeks later, I'm bouncing around, going on hikes and, and having a great time. And it was an amazing physical transformation for me. But that wasn't going to happen as far as my mental state. My mental state kind of started to go downhill. That light that I talked about, at least for me, and I think for some other people too, came with some darkness. And this is one thing that I think a lot of ND ears don't like to talk about. And it, and it throws some of us for a loop for a while. But man, this change from atheist to believer flipped my entire world upside down. It was a good change, but it took me time to really make peace with that change, to, to flow with it. Um, this one, a lot of us talk about initially, and I had this in spades. I started crying. After about three months, I started crying every night because I couldn't feel divine love anymore, at least not as tangibly as it was when I was there. I could still feel tendrils of it, and I could see tendrils of it, but I, I wasn't bathed in it like I was during my experience, and that just ripped my heart out, and I cried almost every night for probably another three months. Um, and my sisters probably don't know this, but I actually asked every night, I asked God to take me because I didn't want to be without that love. It was so hard. We oftentimes have grief over the changes in our life because it can really, really flip us upside down. Again, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. We just have to deal with it. We have to learn how to change our lives in a, in a positive way. But we still have to grieve. Grief is a part of the process. Um, I, have, I still have trouble with the world's violence and the hatred that I see. So I've had to learn how to deal with that. Um, and I, at first, was terrified because I thought everybody's going to think I'm nuts. And all of my friends who are scientists are going to think I'm crazy. And I, th and I think a lot of you may have had that same experience. That terrified me. 
Luckily, I had a good solid foundation in my family so that I wasn't too terribly worried about what was going on with my friends. Uh, some of us have challenges functioning in two worlds. I still feel like I'm walking half, half in one world and half in the other. Um, and you've probably, you know, heard these anger. I was, I was angry at God for a long time that I was sent back. I hate to admit that now, but I was mad. I did not want to be, be here. Um, again, we have things like problems with loud noises, and this is the one that sometimes gets me. I make a joke out of it now, but I sometimes feel like I'm an alien on Earth. And I put this little guy here because sometimes that's what I felt like. I felt like that little red guy over there with two eyes up on stocks. Um, I just didn't, for a while, I didn't know how to relate to normal people anymore. So there are some other effects that we can have, but for the most part, if we, if we get mired in these negative after effects, they can lead to us into some dark places. And I was really depressed for a while because, my, again, my entire life was changing. Um, we might withdraw, we might get angry, you know, we might have some health problems, job challenges. I ended up quitting my job because I was working for a defense contractor and I couldn't, I couldn't make weapons anymore. So that, that wasn't a bad thing, but it can still, you know, affect our lives. Um, and I had some relationship challenges, not with my family, but with some friends. And after about a year and a half of really struggling with this, I was in the middle of writing my book, um, Awakenings from the Light, and I realized everything that I need to do to get myself out of this black hole, my guide taught me during my NDE, and I'm writing about it right now. How come I'm not doing this? And once I made that connection that, Everything that she taught me was meant not for some future date, but for right now, for right now in my life, that it was my guidebook for coming back here and being productive and being positive and being loving. Then I had that aha moment like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. She gave me my own personal Bible for how to live my life in a positive way. I know I caught a lot of flack about this initially from, the, from bloggers and from people on the internet, but I started blogging about my experience quite early on as soon as I realized that the keys were in what she gave me during my NDE because that was how I process stuff. I need to write about it and I need to share it in order for me to make it part of me and for me to kind of think it through and ponder it and contemplate it. So I started blogging and then I wrote the book. And again, the keys to my recovery or coming back into my life in a, in a better way, in a more loving way, really lay in what she taught me. All those months that I felt like I was there, which in our time was really only a few minutes, she gave me those. And, and it's a huge list. But there are, there are three main ones that I want to talk about today. The first one, and she made this very clear to me during my NDE, connect with people. 
that was one of her primary objectives for me was to connect with others because in those connections, she said, this will be the key to your salvation is connecting with other people. And I had no idea what she was talking about at the time. So reconnecting with family and friends and community. She said, building that community, find your community. And I like, I have no idea who that community is until by way of a couple of friends, I found Eins, and Eins saved my life because I was still struggling with being in that black hole. I had no sense of community. I had my family, but my friends were still like, you know, you're different and it's cool, but we don't understand you anymore. But once I found Eins, and I'm going to call out Jackie Arnold back there in the Boulder group, she basically brought me in. I live I lived near Boulder, Colorado. And once we connected, she basically brought me in like I was a long-lost daughter and just embraced me with love, just like my guide. And it's been awesome to have that community, you, you all of you, brought into my life because you gave me the strength to be able to do this today and to come back and to make my life what I wanted it to be. I've also realized that the power of choice, my power of choice in each and every moment to live my life in a positive way, to live my life in a loving way, saved me as well because I had control over every decision that I made. It's the only control that I really have in this life. This, how I think about the world and how I act in the world. And so I... I I don't know that I developed it. I think one of my guides, I still talk to them, by the way. I think one of my guides gave this to me. She said, see love, feel love, and then be love. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But once I started to go with that, my life got a lot better. And finally, the biggest one for me, in, in retrospect, was letting go and allowing the experience and the divine to change me. Because I realized that when I fought it, when that old atheist wanted to come out, and when she was scared and was afraid of, of dying, when that old atheist thought process came out, what I needed to do to make myself feel better is just to let go and realize that I was on the right path for me, that this was okay, that that God has my back. So for those of you who may have had an NDE or for those of you who are supporting an NDE, you can actually do some of these things. Or even if you haven't had an NDE and want to learn how to make your life better, not going through what I went through. I don't want anybody to have to go through an NDE to learn this stuff because it's pretty pretty hard, especially if you get struck by a truck. <laughs> so if you're, if you're struggling, if, if, you're, if you know an ND ear, if you are an ND ear, practice seeing love, feeling love, and being love. And I'll talk about that in a second. Connect with spirit and your guides through prayer, meditation. For me, it's contemplative prayer, which is a Franciscan form of prayer 
whatever you can do to connect, to stay in connection with your higher power, do that. And then once you feel that connection, whether it be through prayer or meditation or even taking a walk in nature or gardening or whatever it happens to be, learn to let go and let the divine work in your life a little bit more. You don't have to control every minute of every day. And know that you're on the right path. You're on that divine path. And build those supportive connections with your family and your friends and whatever community that you have. And I like to also do a mini life review every day. I know this kind of freaks some people out, but I like that part of my ND. I thought it was really cool because I, and it was hard, but it was really cool because I got to see how every one of my decisions and how every one of my actions affected everybody else. So I do that every day. I practice gratitude. And I, I'm always asking, what's the lesson in this for me right now? What can I learn from this? Because for me, it was all about the lesson. And I love this picture of the little girl because one of the main things that my guide left me with, she said, don't always be so flippin' serious. She said, have fun, play, enjoy your life. That's what it's all about. You have a very finite amount of time to come here and enjoy who you are, so do it. And so that's why I put the little girl with the bubbles. Have fun. Um, be of service if you can, if you feel the need to. I know that that's helped me a lot, too, to, to give to other people, to love other people, and seek any additional help if you need it. There are tons of people that want to help. So we'll go through seeing love. And I, this is something I developed while my sisters were helping me recover. I started going for walks as a way to recover physically, but I didn't realize at the time that they were also helping me recover emotionally. So I would go out on these walks through town and I would practice seeing any evidence I could find of love all around me. And I did that because I was so disheartened by the news that I heard every day. I wanted to make sure that I was focusing on the love around me. And that's what you can do to focus on the love. Go out looking for it. It could be even kindness. If you see someone being kind to someone else, just say, thanks for allowing me to see that. You know, look for evidence of compassion. Enjoy seeing it and then just bless it. Feel grateful for having seen it. And the more you focus on that, the more you'll see that in your life. And then, and then the other two parts of this, really, it isn't just about seeing love, it's about allowing yourself to feel it. And again, you can, you can accomplish that through prayer, through meditation, um, through spiritual gatherings. You can do it by being of service. You can feel that love by going to an Ions meeting. And then turn around and, and project that love back out. Be loving to other people. Be kind and compassionate to the grocery store clerk or the bank teller. Just do it in small ways every day, and I guarantee you're going to feel better. And this is really what helped me come out of my black hole, is extending love to other people. Allowing that sense of divine love to come through, because that was my true gift at that time, was to allow other people to see that. 
So another thing for me is that I was a control freak before my NDE, and I wanted to have tight-fisted control over everything in my life, and if things didn't go just the way I planned, I was not happy. And this whole NDE just threw me off completely, because in order for it to become a part of me, I had to let go and allow it, and that scared me. It scared me to become one of us. I was terrified of going over to the other side. I was no longer, I realized I could no longer go back to being the scientist that I was before, and that scared me. But it was the allowing, it was finally saying, you know what, God, I think you're smarter than I am, and I'm just gonna let you take over and guide my life. And I just went with it. I followed my heart. I followed the callings in my heart rather than what my brain was telling me to do. And you can do this too. It's very difficult for some of us. And I'll, I'll raise my hand and say sometimes it's still difficult for me too. Um, our goal is really to open, be open and trusting that, that the divine presence, that you, the universe has got our backs, that we're, uh, we're on the right path that what we feel in our hearts is the right thing to be feeling in that moment. And so for me, it's tough. It's a daily practice. I use a couple of different techniques. I am constantly, constantly, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm constantly asking for guidance all of the time. I'm talking, in fact, on the way over here, I was talking to my guides, asking them to be here. <laughs> Please make sure I don't screw up. Please make sure I say the things that I need to say. I'm in constant communication with, with the other side or God, whatever you want to call that, divine light. And it really helps me stay in contact with them and myself, and it keeps me on the right path, knowing that I'm doing the right thing. I also practice something, I teach this in my workshops, something called the God Jar. And if you have trouble letting go of certain things, you can take something like a pitcher or a beautiful jar and write down on a piece of paper, if you're having trouble processing something or letting go of something or you need, you need God or the divine to help you in one way, write it on a piece of paper Put it in that jar and forget about it and just see what happens. It's just letting go of that control that you need to have over everything in your life. And I've done this for a couple years now, and it's crazy that stuff gets taken care of without me having to worry about it. It's awesome. So give it a try. And the other thing, I think ND ears are a little bit more prone to doing this, taking a leap of faith. Because we don't have, or a lot of us don't have that sense of fear anymore. I, I don't have a sense of fear anymore. I'm not afraid. So I'll take those leaps of faith. I'll quit my job and go off and do my own thing without having another job to fill it in. So take those leaps of faith. If you really feel in your heart that this is the right decision, it's okay because this, is, this heart sense, that heart feeling, that gut sense is where the divine speaks to each one of us. That's what I came away with. That's my, this is my compass. If it doesn't feel right here, it's not right for me. And if it does feel right here, then I'm going to go ahead and do it because I know that's divine guidance.
So it's a lot easier for me to take a leap of faith these days. And I put the eagle here because a few days ago, one of my, um, one of my spiritual guides put that image into my head. And she said, you know, letting go is really just like a bird taking flight. A bird doesn't sit there and think, gee, I wonder if that air down there is going to support me when I leap off this branch. It just takes off and flies as long as it feels that the currents are right. And so that's the image she put in my mind, and I, wanna, I wanted to give that to you today. Remember, it's a leap of faith sometimes. Just follow that heart sense. So my mini life review. This doesn't have to be journaled. I often don't journal this. I, I, I write for a living, and so journaling sometimes is not what I want to be doing at night before I go to bed. But I do contemplate these things every night. I think about what I'm grateful for that day. What good things happened to me today? What went well? And then how did I make a difference for someone? Or did I? Maybe I didn't. Maybe today was just a flat day. I lived a, an okay life today, and everything's great. But maybe I smiled at the at the teller who, at the, I, I actually do this all the time. I joke around with the tellers at my bank because they can sometimes have a bad day. It's, it's tough running all those people through the bank. So I go in there and joke with them, and I feel good about that because they start smiling. And that's all I'm after. I just want someone else to smile that day. And then I think about, okay, so if I, if I had a screw-up today, what can I do better tomorrow? And I don't have to hold myself to this necessarily, but at least it gets me thinking about what can I do better? How can I constantly make somebody's day better tomorrow? How can I make my day better tomorrow? How can I live more in love tomorrow? How can I be kind to someone? And sometimes this one's tough. This, is, this was the toughest part for me during my NDE, is how did others view me? You know, because during my life review, I wasn't held in judgment by a god sitting on a throne with a big scepter and telling me I was going to hell because, you know, I did something bad when I was seven years old. What happened was I was there with my guide watching everything that I'd ever done and seeing the ripple effects throughout all of the people around me, and I was the one doing the judging. I started feeling really bad about certain decisions that I'd made, and I realized, oh my gosh, that decision that I made affected somebody else in a negative way. And then I felt sorry, and I wanted to make amends. So it was really all about me judging me, about me wanting to improve my own life. And so every day I think about, of the things that I had done that day, how might others have reacted to that? How might others have viewed me? And you can't really, you know, you can't really be like a life review every day. It's not going to be exactly like it was, you know, during our time in, on the other side. But at least it gives you a sense of some of the things that those of us who have had NDEs have to think about or have thought about. And it gives you something to look forward to the next day. Um, how can I be a better person today? So I wanted to talk a little bit about how do I help an NDE? Or for those of you who know someone who's had a near-death experience or 
any other kind of spiritually transformative experience. It doesn't have to be just an NDE. What can you do? Because my sisters were awesome. And my friends, Jackie, and, and all my new friends in Boulder were awesome. But for those of us who struggle, I've heard from so many people who come up to me after my talks and say, my family doesn't get it. My family thinks I'm crazy. What do I do? Or my sister had an NDE or my dad had an NDE and I don't know how to help him because he's struggling. These are just a few tips that I came, came up with as a result of going through this the last couple of years. First of all, I'm sure everybody here knows that NDEs are real, otherwise you wouldn't be here. At least I hope not. Um, believe in your NDE, and I know all of you are awesome with this too, because we all know they're real. But if you have someone in your life that can believe in you, or if you can believe in your NDE, that will help that person immensely. And again, learn more. Const I'm constantly learning about NDEs all the time. And, and other experiences, STEs, visions, you name it, they're all cool. I love reading about them. Encourage your NDEer to connect with others. This is extremely important, especially if they're new. And I've been helping a couple of people in the Boulder area and online as well who have no one to speak with about their experience. So if you if you have experience or an experienced end of year, reach out and help those people. Um, see, see what you can do to bring them into a community. Provide a safe environment for them to talk. I, you know, my family is probably sick of me talking about my NDE, but you know, they, they helped me because they just listened. They just listened, and that's all I needed. And allow for growth and room for change because you never know what's going to happen that person could change for the better in ways that you can't even imagine. Respect. Respect your end of year's path in life, whatever it happens to be. Um, it could take them in places that, that they hadn't expected. You know, they might be flying off to Australia to go to a conference, and you're like, really? You're going to go to Australia to listen to but more NDEs? Endy ears talking, you know, just just encourage that, uh, and don't expect the people to stay the same. I expected myself to stay the same, but expect that this experience will change them, because it changes all of us. And if you can, if you want to, do some of the exercises with your loved ones that you might hear about either in in uh, rooms like this or in other books. Go ahead and do those exercises together and allow yourself to be changed by the experience because I don't think that you can have an endy ear in your family or amongst your friends and be a compassionate person and not let that change you. I mean, we, we're all, I, came, I know I came back starry-eyed like, oh my gosh, everything's great. It, it had to have rubbed off on people around me. So let that, let their joy let their love change you, too, because it's there for all of us. That's why we come back. We're here to share that love. I love sharing the love. It's great. So I just want to close, and I'm going to allow some time for questions if anybody has any questions. But negative after effects really are common. We don't necessarily like to talk about them. 
But talking about them with others who you can connect with will help you get through them if you're experiencing them. Let go and grieve. It's okay. Grief is fine. Grief is how we humans process all this stuff. I've talked to so many NDEers who they feel ashamed at feeling grief over the loss of who they used to be. And so I encourage them to cry, let it out, and go to meetings like your local INS or come online and look for NDE support groups. We're here to help. And always, 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 I'm always contemplating the lessons that I learned. Always. Because they're, they keep coming back. You know, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to get out of the learning mode from this one NDE, the, the main one that I had. I'm always going to learn. I'm always going to process. Oops. So reach out. Um, attend gatherings, and in time, I hope you see the blessings of your near-death experience or the experience of someone in your family. So with that, I would like to open it up. If anybody has any questions, um, please feel free to step up and, and ask. Thanks. Yes, thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, one question I have as part of a uh, IANS group that meets and has experiencers meet together is that uh, I've had an individual say that I don't want to be here, I want to be there. And my response is, well, it's important to be here if you, even if you don't see it. Right. Your thoughts on that? It is important to be here. And the reason I think a lot of us are here, I can't speak to that particular person, but I know that I was given several things to do when I came back. And there's a purpose in coming back. There's a purpose for a lot of us in coming back. For me, it's being a, a source of that divine love. It's showing people what it was like to be in heaven, what it, what it can be for us to be a positive source of love. Because sometimes the world feels like it's falling apart. And if we can get past that place, I know, I feel it. I wanted to, every night for months, every night for months I prayed that I would die. Every night. And so I get it. Until I realized that the main purpose for me was love, sharing it. So if, if you can help that person find some kernel of a purpose, whatever it happens to be, there, there must be some spark of positivity in that NDE. And, and try. I know it's hard. It's really hard. And I would love to just go up to that person and hug them. Um, and it can take time to find what that spark is, what that purpose is. But it might be just being a source of kindness or love. And I would encourage that person to, to try, if they can, to be of service in some way, um, volunteering in some, in some fashion or another. I hope that helps. Thank you. Given your long background in solid science right. and your unexpectedly transformative change right. yep. in your course, um, I'm sure you agree with me that we'd have a better world if we could somehow open all those scientific 
wonderful scientific mindsets that are closed. If we, if we could open them to the understandings that you now have. Right. And specifically, I'm sure you've thought about this, I'd love to know your thoughts on taking what we here know and approaching somehow the scientific method and the definition of what is called evidence and work some kind of magic in a larger scientific community so that we all come together mm -hmm. in a wider understanding. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I would love to hear my thoughts too. <laughs> um, it's, it's one thing that I really, really want to be able to do because the two shouldn't be as divided as they are. And so for me, I see people like Eben Alexander are starting to bridge that gap. And I would love to be a, another bridge for those people. Uh, I think a lot of it is going to be, it's going to be a bigger discussion than we've got like eight minutes. But it's a bigger discussion than that because it involves allowing them, meaning the scientists who are agnostic or atheist, to really understand that we're not crazy that we want to come at this from a scientific perspective and let's work together to figure out what's good evidence and what's not. And we've got researchers that are out there right now working on this and I'd love to help if anybody's listening. I'd love to help because I understand that, that scientific mindset. They're scared. They're scared that we're right. And I was terrified for many years that this was real, so I get it. So it's a bigger discussion. We can certainly meet up afterward and talk about it, um, but I've only got seven minutes and two people, so let's, let's table that one for after. But it's a great question, thanks. So I, I, I've heard your story before, um, but this is the first time in person. It's wonderful to be here in person here. Thank you. So um, my question has to do with this, um, the loss of fear that I, I always hear about from ND ears. And, and for me, when I think of what, what fear do I have of death, for me, it's the act of dying, the getting hit by the truck. I take it you're, you still don't want that to happen. <laughs> People don't want that. There, there's still, there must be some fear of that. But what, what is it you mean by loss of fear of death? Well, I was afraid that there was nothing, that it would be just blackness after death that my consciousness would completely cease and that was it. So I'll, I actually want to talk about the being hit by the truck part because a lot of people ask me about that and it didn't hurt. And it really wasn't all that scary, I think, because you know physically there are some fail-safes in your body that take over. And so I didn't feel pain. I was sort of disassociated a little bit from the real act of it. I mean, I was conscious and I understood what was happening, but at the same time, it wasn't horribly terrifying to me. So it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And I will say for any of you who have had, we've had a loss in our family with, with, a, with an accident, um, it really didn't, it wasn't as traumatic as a lot of people might think. So that part was okay. But I was really terrified that there would be nothing, absolutely nothing after death. And I was completely wrong, I'm happy to say. I'm completely wrong that there really is, a con the consciousness survives death. Thank you for a really wonderful talk. Thanks. I'm curious just a little bit about the timeline of um, the surgery till you were able to go to back, back to work 
till you decided the work that you were in no longer fit your life and you moved on to do something else. Okay, so I had the surgery on January 6th of 2014. It took me about, you remember that picture where I was out hiking? That was about five weeks later. And then I went back to, I was actually working from home, I think it was like six weeks or seven weeks after, um, working from home a few hours a day at most, like two, my doctor said, you know, two, because I still had a little bit of a concussion issue. Um, it was mostly from the concussion, not the physical trauma. And then I went back into the office, I think it was three months after at the accident, and within a day I knew I was going to need to quit. <laughs> it was almost immediate. I was like, this isn't it. I can't do this anymore. I lasted, I did last maybe a month of working part-time, and then I, I finally said, yeah, this is just not going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, my, past, my past history with IN's organization, and I used to field calls uh, from into ears, and the into ears wanting to, the suicide ideation, no one took action as far as I know, but it's not an uncommon thing, and they really wanted to go back to that peace that, yeah. that they had experienced. Uh, even yeah. though they knew they shouldn't, but there was still that desire and they needed to talk about it. But it's very common. Well, thank you yeah. for that. Thanks for doing that work. It's really important. I, I didn't, I thought about it. I really did. And I was, I was pretty close a couple of times. Luckily, I had people I could talk to. I had my sisters. Whenever I was feeling a dark day, I would call one of them. Um, and later, after Jackie and I met, she helped me out a lot, even though she might not realize it. But I relied a lot on other people during that time. And I knew I was, I had friends, I had my daughter, I had my family to live for. So I had, I had something, I knew I would get through it. But boy, it was dark. It was really dark. So thanks for doing that work. It's really important. And I, I kind of hope that we have more of that. We really need it. I talked to so many endy ears that want, want to commit suicide. So... Thanks for that. Great presentation. Thank you. Why do you think the God jar works? I think it's because we're, we're just letting go. For me, it's forgetting about what I'm asking for. You know, it's, it's, allow, it's stepping back from the attachment to whatever it is. So, for example, it might be uh, I used it last year to come to Ein's. And I didn't, I didn't have, I actually was still recovering financially from my accident. The woman who hit me didn't have insurance to speak of. And so I was fielding all this from my own savings. So I, I was dicey financially, you know, coming, wanting to come to the San Antonio um, meeting. And so I put it in my God jar. What I had been doing before that, I was like trying and really thinking about how I might make it work and trying to finagle it and really grabbing onto it and, and just staying mired in the attachment. And I did the God jar. I put it on, I wrote it on a piece of paper, put it in there and forgot about it and just let go. And I let the divine presence work on it. And of course, then Jackie stepped in <laughs> and helped me go to San Antonio Ein's meeting. But I think it's really more of getting your own energy out of it and letting that divine presence work on it for you. 
And it might work in ways that it might come together in ways that you can't even possibly imagine or finagle on your own. So I keep telling people, you know, God's smarter than we are. And so if we step back and let God handle it, it's a lot easier. And then sometimes if it's not really all that important, you kind of forget about it and go on to something else. So apparently it was important. I was, I was at Ions last year. So it does work. It's just the letting go of the attachment to the outcome. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. Well, thank you all for coming out today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.